let's study of Luke. We're going to be in Luke chapter 2 today. Uh, let's. Let's do what? Let's have some fun. Amen. When you look at Luke Amen. chapter 2 and the, the passage that we're going to look at, Jesus is having a good time. He's a 12-year-old kid. And you're going to read this, and you read it through theological eyes, you read it through your Christian eyes, you read it through your boring Western eyes, and you just see facts. But the humor behind what is going on in this passage is incredible. Jesus is very much aware of what he's doing and who he's messing with, how he's messing with them. We're going to uncover all that because Jesus is just having some fun. He's doing what a 12-year-old boy would do. He's messing with everybody. Now, I don't know if you're aware, um, John Travolta lives in Ocala, and uh, they thought they thought that he might have picked up the coronavirus. I don't know if anybody saw that. Turns out it was just Saturday night fever. <laughs> So he'll be staying alive. <laughs> Guy was pulled over by the sheriff's department, and uh, apparently he had stolen all the files from Wikipedia. All right, if there's somebody old sitting beside you, lean over and tell them what Wikipedia is, real quick. Officer pulled him over and said, we're going to arrest you for stealing Wikipedia. And he said, honestly, honestly, officer, I can explain everything. <laughs> my wife, my wife was taking a CPR course. This was back, this was back in the old days when they were still doing, you know, now you just do uh, compressions, which especially during the coronavirus, I'm sure that's what you do. But you used to do the compressions and then you'd breathe into the, into the, the dummy, right? And my, my wife's taking the course and she said, let me get this right. All I have to do is breathe life into a dummy. I've been doing that for 36 years. <laughs> She's down here going, testify, testify, yeah. All right, that's all I got. Let's move on. All right, I promised you that I would show you, because I want you to know you can trust your Bible. I want to know I can trust my Bible. I don't have to have physical information to prove the Bible. I trust the Bible. I trust God. Uh, the, story, the stories are true. I, I don't doubt that. But when archaeology and history back me up, it just makes my job easier. So let me show you three pictures. Uh, this is just for fun. Uh, this is Joseph, the um, the the stepfather of Jesus, if you will, because God is, is Jesus' actual father. But the man who raised him, Joseph, Joseph and Mary, this is his workshop. We've actually uncovered his workshop. Um, it, it says in the Bible he was a carpenter. He was not a carpenter. That's an English translation. Uh, the word is tecton. You might know what the word tecton means? A stonemason. And since there aren't very many trees, it'd be very difficult to be a carpenter. I'm not saying he would not have done woodworking, but the word has nothing to do with carpentry. He was a stonemason. Uh, they, they cut blocks. They built things out of block. And this is actually Joseph's workshop from 2,000 years ago. How about that? If that's not enough, how about this one? This is Mary's house. 
It was about a half mile from where Joseph was, small little town in Nazareth. And this is Mary's house. We know that for a fact. And then two years ago, well, it started back in the 60s, but they couldn't confirm it. Two years ago, they got more evidence on it. Check out this third picture. This is the home that Jesus grew up in, in Nazareth. Joseph and Mary, they have several other children. In your Bible, James, Jude uh, were half-brothers. They were Joseph and Mary's. This is the home that they actually lived in. Just in case you're living with people that say Jesus was made up, the Bible's made up. There's just a little bit of history for you. Now, why do I tell you all that? Because this is where Jesus lives until he's 12 years old. At the beginning of Luke chapter 2, we read the Christmas story. We know all about that, right? We know that the angel came to Mary and said, you're going to be pregnant by God Most High. You're going to give birth to the Messiah. She's a virgin. Uh, then the same angel visits Joseph. We have this all play out. And then they get on the donkey. They go to Bethlehem because of the census. She gives birth in Bethlehem. But after... The baby's born. Where do they go? They go back to Nazareth. And Jesus lives in this house. Everything we know about Jesus until he's 30 years old. When he's 30 years old, he starts teaching. He shows up. He's teaching. He gets baptized by John the Baptist in the Jordan. But what happened between his birth and age 30? There's only one story in your Bible. And that's when he's 12 years old. He's 12 years old. He's just left this house. He's gone 60 miles with his family to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover. Stand with me out of respect for God's Word, and we shall break this down. <coughs> Every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up to the festival according to the custom. After the festival was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. Thinking he was in their company, it's a caravan of people, they traveled on for a day. Then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. After three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Everyone who heard it was amazed at his understanding and his questions and answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, now allow me to say this like a Jewish mother, Son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why were you searching for me, Jesus said. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house, or if you've got the King James, it says, didn't you know I had to be about my father's business? We'll explain all that later. But they did not understand what he was saying to them. Then he went back to, Jer back to Nazareth with them, and he was obedient to them. Son of God, he's obedient to his mom and dad. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man. You can be seated. So here's the story. If you live within 20 miles of Jerusalem, you are required to go to three festivals a year to celebrate God. Passover is the big one. Passover is the big one. And that's the one that we celebrate today, what 
the pagan culture, but it's what we call Easter. It's when we celebrate the resurrection because Jesus was raised from the dead during Passover, fulfilling that scripture. 1 Corinthians 5, 7 says Jesus is our Passover lamb. The whole Passover event, you remember, happened in Egypt. That's when the, the ten plagues came. They put the blood over their doorpost, and if they were faithful to God by doing that, God spared their firstborn, but the firstborn of Egypt all died. This is the defining event in Jewish history. This is the night we celebrate because God delivered His people. As Christians, we know that was only the foreshadowing of what would come when Jesus died on the cross as our Passover lamb. He is that perfect sacrifice. But here's the deal. Women did not have to go to these events. They were welcome, but they didn't have to go. And if you live more than 20 miles away, you could make your own decision. It's 60 miles from Nazareth to Jerusalem. The text says, every year, Joseph and Mary went to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover. This is significant, my friends. Pay attention. They were devout. They were sold out for God. Now, they're, still ha they're having children. Remember this. If Jesus is 12, they've, they've got maybe a 10 and an 8 and a 6 and maybe a baby. Who knows? But the, every year, they travel to Jerusalem. Was this a big deal? Yeah, it's a huge deal. Not only their commitment to God, their commitment to worship, their financial commitment to God. See, people get stressed out about tithing, giving God 10% and, and, and whatever. Listen, let me explain to you how it was in, the, in, in Jesus' day. Joseph and Mary would have given 10% of what they made to take care of hungry people. They would have given 10% to their local synagogue, which I could have put that picture up there too, because the synagogue they went to in Nazareth, it's still there as well. And then they spent 10% of their income on a two-week festival called Passover. So 30% of their income was invested in this. They would spend 10% of their yearly income to go to Jerusalem to celebrate God. Think about that. Think about that. They were invested physically, financially, spiritually. And Passover, the Passover festival last eight days. So you've got to go 60 miles. You're out of work at least two weeks. Yes, he's got his own shop, but if nobody's working, you're not making any money. So he's given a, they're given of their time, their money, because God is their priority. That's what I want you to hear. Do you know in America, the average Christian, check this out, that is sold out to Jesus, show up at church 1.9 times a month. That's the Christian that's sold out, and they give less than 2% of their income to advance the kingdom of God. And we wonder why we're struggling in the church. Listen, let me explain to you why it takes money to run this. Are you ready? Because the kingdom of God is successful. If we were failing everywhere, we wouldn't need money. We plant a church, that church plants three more churches. Now guess what we got to do? we got to raise more money. We start a pregnancy crisis center. Guess what they do? They start two more. So guess what we have to do? We've got to help two more. And so, yes, it costs more and more because we're doing more and more. We're expanding. That's what the kingdom of God is supposed to do. And if you're just here to do church, you're in the wrong church. Because we're here to advance God's agenda. That's what it's about. So Jesus 
goes there for this festival and, you know, 12-year-old boys, you know it full well, they're never where they're supposed to be, right? And the parents didn't worry about it, right? It's, it's, it's sort of like in my age, maybe not today, but 12-year-old boys are always off doing their own thing. They're all running around together. They're probably into some mischief, but we'll find him later. So don't think ill of Mary and Joseph because we've all lost our kids under coat racks and playgrounds. We've all been there, all right? We all know that horrible feeling. But when they find him, this is what's cool. He is amazing the professors. See, if you are, if you are a rabbi, even today, you do not show people how smart you are by lecturing them. You show people how smart you are by the questions you ask. Because if you can ask the right questions, you obviously are pretty smart. If you don't know what questions to ask, you don't know what you're talking about. And so Jesus is sitting there with all of the PhDs in theology, and he is messing them up. Now this is also important. Why, why is the story taking place when Jesus is 12 years old? Because at 13, he would have been bar mitzvahed, he would be a man, and they would have arrested him and probably had him executed for challenging all of these doctors. But he's 12. He's still considered a child. That's why he's able to get away with this. So Jesus is just having fun with them. Now think about this. Here's God. These guys are explaining to God about God's word. Now, Jesus, in the earthly life, he's memorized. By 12 years old, he's memorized every word from Genesis to Malachi. So he does know it in the physical realm, but he wrote it to begin with. And they're sitting there debating with him, and he's just firing questions back at them, and they are amazed. It seems like we've lost some of our amazement, perhaps because I can turn on my TV and get 600 channels. Perhaps because I can pick up my phone and I can connect to the, not just the country, but the world and, for that matter, the universe. I can call Pluto if I want to. I mean, it's, it's incredible. And so we don't seem to be amazed at much anymore. But man, he messed up these doctors. Because here's God in the flesh. And I think sometimes we take that for granted. That we're, we, have, we don't get amazed at the resurrection. We don't get amazed at a virgin birth. We don't get amazed at miracles that have taken place in our own life. Because we're so used to the man-made miracles that we don't stop and look at what a real miracle really looks like. And a miracle where God is willing to step into history and to die for us as our Passover lamb so that you and I can be delivered. So Jesus is sitting there astounding these guys. And in Luke 5, here's another story where it's, it's the same concept. It says everyone was amazed at what Jesus was saying and doing and they gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and they said, we have seen remarkable things today. What happened to that amazement in you and me? It's like, I don't know. I wonder sometimes if Jesus would walk in and do something in front of us, if we would even be that enraptured by it or if we'd just go back to our iPhones because we've become so unamazed. And yet everything God has done is to startle us, to get our attention, to show us how incredible that He really is. 
But then he messes with his mom and dad. All right, now, do I think Jesus knew what he was doing? He's 12 years old. Does your 12-year-old son know what he's doing? Of course he does. He knows full well that mom and dad are not going to be happy about this whole deal. All right, But he's making a statement here that is far bigger than mom and dad. And without doubt, mom and dad are upset. You've been in this spot before, and you find your child, and what's your first response? Thank God you're okay. Second response, I'm going to kill you. Do you really think Mary's response would have been any different? She'd been looking for three days for her son. She's exhausted. She's tired. She's been praying. She's angry. And she finally finds him. And he says, why are you looking for me? Oh, I don't know. But then he says this, didn't you know that I had to be with my father? All right, hold on, hold on. Here's what Mary says. She said, son, didn't you know that your father and I were looking for you? And very gently, Jesus turns that story and said, Mom, didn't you know I had to be in my father's? Do you see how he just changed it from Joseph to who his father was? All right, there's the transition. The word, and I looked, I'm like, I've memorized that verse a long, long time ago. And so I'm studying it, and I'm going, okay, so which word is it? House or business? Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? Didn't you know I had to be about my father's business? Are you ready for this? Neither. The word's not there. I'm like, I'm, I'm wearing the Greek out. The word does not exist. Jesus said, didn't you know I had to be with my father? That's all it says. Not his house. Not his business. Because when you're with the Father, the rest of your life will unfold correctly. And I think we've lost that concept. And listen, nobody's driving you harder than me. Hey, get in there and help in the children's ministry. Get out in Arizona and help. Help us pack food. Whatever it is, let's do something, right? However, there has to be that time when we stop and say, you know what? I need to be with the Father. I don't need to be about my Father's business right now. I don't even need to be in my Father's house because according to 1 Corinthians, the temple of God is now where? It resides in us. I am the temple of God. You are the temple of God. So I don't have to go anywhere. We gather together to worship and to give and to serve. That's Hebrews 10 says, don't stop meeting together because we need teaching, we need instruction, we need encouragement, we need to support one another. But I don't have to go anywhere to be with my Father because my Father is in me. But i got to make time. Jesus said, didn't you know I had to be with my Father? And Mary's like, whoa. She doesn't know what to do. Now remember, the angel came to Mary and said, Mary, the Most High will overshadow you and you will have a son. Nobody knows better than her that she was a virgin when he was born. She knows the story. The angel came to Joseph, told Joseph, hey, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. The baby that's in her is the gift of God and this is the Messiah that we've all been looking for. So they've known this for 12 years. But all of a sudden, it becomes real. Why does it become real? Because they're watching Jesus say, didn't you know I had to be 
with my father. I don't know how old some of you are. Uh, I had to replay this in my head, but last week was the 40th anniversary of the Olympic, U.S. Olympic hockey team winning the gold medal. All right, anybody remember that? All right, that was a great day, right? For those of you that are not that old, I'm sorry. I was a junior in high school. I can tell you where I was. I was playing in a pep band at a basketball game that night, the night that we won the gold medal. I remember listening to the last minute and 30 seconds or something like that, and Al Michaels may be the greatest call in sports history. When Al, just totally unscripted, and Al Michaels screams across the microphone, do you believe in miracles? Hmm. The answer to that question will define everything else about you. Do you believe in miracles? Listen. Listen. That question goes far deeper than can God fix my broken bone? Can God stop my cancer? Do you believe there's a God who stands above all of this? Do you believe there's a Savior who died for you? Do you believe that there is hope after this life? Listen. All those things are available. That's why Jesus came. If you need somebody to pray for you, all of our campuses, you can go and, and get prayer, whether it's in the lobby here, it's over, it's over here on this side. Uh, Michael and David will be there at the other campuses. You come over here for uh, somebody to talk to you about how do, I, how do I become a Christian? How do I connect with this Jesus? I want, I want to be a part of this. Uh, out in the lobby at all of our places or, or outside, you'll have a, a place to connect and get information about the church. If you're a guest here in Ormond, right out in the lobby, you can stop out there. We have gifts for you uh, to welcome you. But I want you to think about what Jesus said. He's amazing everybody. He's a 12-year-old boy. He's doing what you would expect a 12-year-old boy to do, except when it came down to it, he said, didn't you know I had to be? It was, it, the word is a command. I had to be with my father. And I think out of that relationship flows everything else. That will flow my giving, my serving, my commitment to attending worship, whatever it might be. That's what drove Joseph to travel those 60 miles, to spend that money, to invest that time every year because they believed there was a God of miracles that stood above all of it. So, Father, I pray for those who need to make decisions, those who need to be encouraged, those who are just struggling that you would let them know that your word is trustworthy. But I know there's people here that need to accept you. There's people watching online. There's people there in Palm Bay. There's people in the land. They need to accept you as their Lord and Savior. Some need to start spending time with you, Father. I don't know. I have no idea what all your spirit wants to do. But I pray that we would have the clarity that Jesus had and just say, didn't you know I had to be with my father?